This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Good Wednesday to you, everybody, and welcome into the Black and Blue Report. Once more from San Francisco, California, the Pelicans are set to travel back to New Orleans today. Unfortunately, they'll come home without a win as they lost game two last night, 121 to 116. Highly competitive game, much better play from the New Orleans Pelicans, but the defending champs have taken their two home games, and now everything heads to New Orleans for Wednesday. We've got a good show for you today. It is a Wesley Wednesday. David Wesley stops by. We get his thoughts on last night's basketball game and also uh, a couple of NBA playoff tidbits. We'll take you inside the Pelicans locker room. John DeShazer will visit with Ian Clark. And our old friend Stan Brock stops by later on. He, of course, uh, has his big charity event coming up down uh, down on the water here uh, shortly, and we'll get the uh, the skinny on that. But here as we continue on this Wednesday, Daniel Salerson has popped into our, our, uh, our fancy studio here, a.k.a. my hotel room in san francisco daniel good morning i know that all of us are ready to head home today yeah no doubt about it and i do like your penthouse suite here i think it's a nice addition here on the road and i think we should do more of these shows often here yeah the baby grand piano kind of gets in the way a little bit um but you know when when you're trying to you know get in the mood uh, it's good to have in your room uh but you know you, you have to walk around the piano and then you know the, the wet bar you know is is somewhat stocked well uh it's 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 you know, it, it's roughing it a little bit. I'm really eager to get back home. I was about to say, you live a rough life here, but we've been here so long, I'm thinking about buying a condo here. I think I'm about to purchase one today. Tell you what, a condo of the size of this grand suite here in this city would run you about mm, $4.7 million. Ah, never mind. I'll just go home now. <laughs> Fair enough. Tough tough result last night for the Pelicans. Daniel, I thought they played much better than they did in game one. It just proved not to be enough. Yeah, a lot of adjustments they made. I thought defensively they played pretty well. Of course, when you get Steph Curry back, um, it's another element of the Warriors makes them very, very good. 28 points for him. Didn't look like he was rusty at all. But you got some good play out of the starters, four of the five starters for the Pelicans in double. Actually, all five starters in double figures for the Pelicans. But I think it was the bench that at some points can have to step up a little bit. Solomon Hill won for six. They were four of 13 combined and probably need a little bit more minutes out of them. But overall, I thought the Pelicans played pretty good despite some things that didn't go to the Pelicans way, like maybe some foul shots. I don't know. Yeah, that's going to be a topic with David Wesley coming up. I, I just don't think there's any any good way to you know tiptoe around that fact. If you look at both the the games in the series right now, we're just talking about made free throws or is it attempts? Fifty nine to twenty um, is the discrepancy thus far. Last night the Pelicans were what seven of nine at the free throw line, and this is attempting over a hundred shots. I, I I can't even venture to say how many possessions are involved, but it's certainly a factor at this point. Yeah, I actually have some stats for you to back that up. The Pelicans, 102 field goal attempts in the first two games, 20 free throw attempts, that's it. And three of those came on a Darius Miller three-pointer, so really only 17 of them coming from the paint. Then the Pelicans are the first team since 2015, December 2015, have two two teammates take 20-plus shots without either getting a free throw attempt in a game, which Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis had zero. So the fact that two players went to the shot 20 shots, did not go to the free throw line, says it has to say something, I would think. Yeah, I agree. It's also the first time ever that Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday have played in a game together and neither had a free throw attempt. Uh, game three is going to be ultra important. It always is in the series. And, you know, it's chalk right now. Uh, the home team has not lost yet. So the old cliche is that the series hasn't started yet. But the Pelicans obviously have to now 
get theirs on ones or excuse me on Friday night. That first quarter is going to be huge for the Pelicans. Steph Curry said last night that game three in another person's building that they're going to have to set up and set the tone, but the Pelicans are also going to have to do the same because if this gets out of hand quickly, then you could easily be down 3-0 with the defending champs, and with them fully healthy now, they're a scary team. We'll talk more about Friday night's game atmosphere uh, before we wrap up today. A uh, couple of NBA news and notes. J.B. Bickerstaff is going to stay on. He's gone from interim head coach. He'll be introduced as the, I guess, full permanent co- or permanent full permanent. He's hired as the head coach today by the Memphis Grizzlies, so he's the first uh, to fill a vacancy here in the off season. Yeah, I thought that was a good move by them. I mean, with with the players they had there, there's not much he could really do. But I thought they, you know, they stayed the course throughout the season. I think he was a good coach. I believe he's an interim coach in Houston. I believe was that right? Or yes. yeah. So I thought Biggerstaff's a good job. I think now they just got to get some some players in place here. I know they're kind of on the rebuilding mode here. Yeah, Marcus Sol here is kind of the end of his career. Mike Conley was hurt most of the year. Chandler Parsons was hurt. So given what he had, uh, I think that was a good hire by the Memphis Grizzlies. I think it's also the first time in history that a father and a son will both have served as a head coach in the NBA. JB's father is obviously Bernie. So congratulations to JB, and I know Memphis is glad to have their search done and over with. That leaves the Knicks and the Suns and uh, the Magic still. Uh, Charlotte, too, all trying to find head coaching uh, vacancies to be filled. Milwaukee might be in that situation, although I think that Coach Prunty might stay put there. We'll see how that plays out. A tough loss for the Toronto Raptors last night. We'll see the resumption of the Utah-Houston series coming up uh, later today as well. So lots of NBA stuff to cover. We'll take a quick break. When we continue here from San Francisco, we'll pull David Wesley back onto the floor here, if you will, and get a Wesley Wednesday for you, followed by our visit with Ian Clark in last night's locker room. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients, it would grow to become something that connected us. The neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Guess what day it is. Hump day! Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. It is Wesley Wednesday, as we talked in our first segment. And with that, joining us uh, is David Wesley, fresh off an appearance last night as a studio analyst for Fox Sports New Orleans, here to talk about games one and two so far against the Golden State Warriors. David, good morning. We've missed you out here, but great to have you in the studio last night. Yeah, it was it was fun. We we had a good time last night, and um, you know a little disappointing that the, the Pelicans didn't win, but uh, much better effort than Game One. And um, you know that Golden State did what they were supposed to do, which is hold court. That's that's exactly I guess the point here that we should start with, David, and that is the the higher seed, the defending champs, have won their home games. I know that the Pelicans would love to take a win back to New Orleans with them. But I don't know if anyone should be in any panic mode here or, or anything else with regard to how the series is at least started. No, I, I definitely don't think uh, there's need for panic. Um, uh, certainly, you want to try to steal one. And I thought they did a good job in that second game to try to steal one. I think they were out of rhythm in the first game, and it showed. You know, the week off. Um, wasn't necessarily good for them, but 
you know, that's that's the playoffs. That's what happens when they did such quick work of Portland and able to get to the second round. So, you know, they they made some adjustments. They played a little with a little more urgency, intensity in that second game, and that's always encouraging. I, I still think that they have enough. Uh, it's just a matter of putting the piece together and making the plays down the stretch. Urgency and effort, two big ones that have a high impact. David, what else specifically did you see that was improved for the Pelicans from game one to game two? Well, I thought uh, defensively staying connected to uh, shooters coming off screens, I thought that was uh, a lot better. I thought when they switched, they switched better. Um, Transition defense in times was a little spotty, um, but still better than the first game. I thought transition defense – Obviously, most of it coming off of, of turnovers uh, was spotty, but second game was better, So, and, and scoring was better. I thought they got better production out of, uh, first of all, Miritich scored better. Um, I thought Drew scored better. And then, of course, you know, you got the excellent play out of Rondo. So, offensively, they scored 116 points. Most nights, that's good enough. Um and, and certainly down the stretch, they're right there. Um, you know, possession here, possession there. I mean, the biggest lead was 10 late uh, all game. So, you know, they they gave them themselves a chance, and that's what you want on the road, and they just couldn't make the plays down the stretch. Uh, I think they're going to be fine coming home. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. How about Steph Curry? Five weeks off, and he just walks back on the floor and hits for 28 off the bench. You know, I told the story – Last night on the air, those kinds of players, really good, the great players, the the franchise players, they can do that. They're not like your role players, like myself. I needed to be playing all the time. I needed rhythm. I needed reps. I needed game speed. These guys don't need that. And Steph Curry didn't surprise me. As a matter of fact, somebody asked me, well, what do you think he'll do? I said, I think you'll have – 25 and 30 minutes and that's about what he did uh it's it's that's just what they're capable of doing and uh i think you might have remembered when mashburn he was out two months comes back in his first game he had 50 uh, and we were going to him down the stretch and he was delivering it was the craziest thing you ever see but that's just what that kind of guy is capable of doing and steph curry is no different yeah, I, it is remarkable. And and you have to tip your cap. I mean, it's pretty special. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not necessarily tiptoe into this. Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday combined for 48 shot attempts. The team goes for 60-plus in the paint, yet those two guys did not attempt a single free throw. How does that happen? It's a, it's a travesty. And, and, again, last night I said one of them have to get a technical. It's not their style. It's not what they do. And, and I don't mean get one by mistake either. I mean go at somebody and demand that you're getting those calls. And I know the officials have to be looking at this game today. I know the league has to be looking at this game today. But I thought Drew, while being aggressive early, it was, in my opinion, a little misguided in the sense that he shot seven threes in the first half. He needs to be on the attack. His best game is the mid-range and in. He can hit a three, obviously, we know that. But I think it's better for the team when he's on the attack, he's getting to the basket and creating 
uh, and being aggressive that way. But with that said, he still drove the ball to the basket enough times to get a foul call. Anthony Davis played inside, bumped and grind, rebounded the ball offensively. How does he go the whole game? And both of them played over 40 minutes. Drew almost played the whole game and not get to the free throw line. It's almost impossible, especially when you take a guard like Steph Curry, who shoots more free throws than them two combined, obviously. But, uh, I mean, it, it, it doesn't make sense. I can't explain it. And, like I said, I, I'm surprised that more hasn't been said. Uh, I'm surprised the team hasn't been fined for calling out the officials, but there's no way that can happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Look forward to game three for me, David. What do you expect to see? What do you want to see, I guess, on Friday night? I, I just I, continue uh, what they did. Uh, again, you take this game, and in the fourth quarter, right there at the end, they are right where they need to be. Turnover, turnover, bad shot. Uh, shot selection for me has to get a little bit better. I thought they forced some shots. They shot some guarded shots, quick shots. And I know they want to play fast, but fast with good shots is kind of the, the key. And, and I don't mean that as a whole. I don't mean that they played bad. I just mean at times there were situations that, that maybe take a better shot, don't turn the basketball over, and then maybe it's a two or three point game with with you know a minute to play, and that could be that could be the difference. Uh, I think this team has has played in close games well this year. I think they close games uh, well at, at time, uh, enough to have confidence in what they do down the stretch, and that's it. Go into game three, be there at the end, and get a win. One last thing, David, and and this is um, certainly was talked about with the Golden State Warriors and their fans, and the home floor advantage they found at Oracle Arena uh, this time of year. Just from a player standpoint, David, what can a home court situation mean for a basketball team? It can mean everything, and the louder, the more rowdy, uh, the more into the game, uh, that gives the team energy and. They're referred to as the sixth man. The sixth man is oh so important. The building has to be loud. I mean, loud enough to shake it down. I mean, they have to be into the game, be on their feet, be a part. And if they bring the kind of energy they did in in games one and two, uh, in three and four in the last series, that's going to give the Pelicans an extra edge. Uh, and then I mean early. I mean, get get the get the building filled early, get the building going early, and therefore, um, you know, the, the the team can fill it. They're ready to play. It's an exciting time. I love playoff basketball. It's great. Yeah, I know it is great. Speaking of playoff basketball, how'd you like to be the Toronto Raptors this morning? Wow, <laughs> what a kick in the teeth they got. Cleveland did not lead in the game in regulation. Did not lead. That is crazy. Their first lead was in overtime, and they found a way to steal the first game. After hearing all the, the, the talk and, the, and knowing their, their lack of success against Cleveland, they have them on the ropes, a game they should have won, and you're now 0-1 to a 
LeBron-led Cleveland team, which is, to me, trouble because they have now taken home court back. Yeah. (laughs) It's the NBA playoffs, my friend, and I know, David Wesley, you have a smile on your face pretty much for about, what, six, seven weeks straight with all this basketball? Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, it's fun. It's been some great series, great surprises. Um, Boston has been, to me, the, the, the team of the playoffs in a sense that they're playing without now their top three scores and still winning. Uh, pretty amazing job they're doing up there and a lot of fun to, to see. You know, and, and playoffs is all about almost making your name. It's like the, the NCAAs. You know, all of a sudden, the guys that you, you wouldn't think would all of a sudden step their game up, they do. They're getting great production out of enough guys to get wins. They're defending enough. Uh, that is a that is a fun series to watch, and it'd be nice to see what Philly does uh, in response. No doubt, no doubt. Great stuff as always, David. I always look forward to our Wednesday visits, and I'm certainly eager to see you on Friday for Game Three at the Smoothie King Center. I can't wait to get there. This is going to be a good game, and I think the Pelicans will win. Yep, and I think that crowd will be right there for him too. David Wesley on a Wesley yeah. Wednesday here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, as we talked about earlier in the show, uh, the Pelicans lost, obviously, 121-116, to conducted themselves very well postgame. Uh, Rajon Rondo, Anthony Davis, and Drew Holiday spoke at the podium to the media after the game. But in our locker room, uh, our own John DeShage was able to catch up with Ian Clark back in his old stomping grounds and got Ian's thoughts on games one and two, specifically last night. Ian, did you learn anything about this team in these two games that you didn't already know about their resilience and that kind of thing? Um, we learned about uh, about ourselves that you know if we play the way we're capable of playing, we can be in the game and win, and win the game, um, any game in this series. Uh, obviously, the first, the second quarter in the first game kind of you know threw everybody off, but you know today we showed that we can you know play both halves with them. Um, just come down to, to little details. How impressive is, I guess, for a team that's been together as short as you guys have to bounce back and play that kind of game, too, on the road against the champs? Um, it shows the kind of veteran leadership we have. You know, we came in in the last two days in practice and kind of um, just buckled down um, on the defensive end, obviously in the offense, to, to figure out what we need to do better. And I think we showed that we can come out and do that. You know, obviously, you get a chance to go home now. And essentially, I guess a lot of people will say all they did was what they were supposed to do, home, whole serve. Uh, how important is it for you guys now to do the same thing? Uh, it's, it's very important. Um, I mean, obviously, you want to steal one of these games. But like you said, they, they won their home games. We've got to do, go do the same. Does tonight's effort give you confidence going home since it was just a five-point game? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, like I said, we, we know we can play with those guys. So, um, going home, having our home crowd, um, us feeling comfortable. I think we, I think we were winning couple, games. What are a couple of things that you feel like you guys need to clean up a little bit to have the results you want? Um, I think it was is you know, the turnovers we had. We had a lot of turnovers that led to them coming down and hitting three point shots. Obviously, you know turnovers turn us to threes with this team more than two. So being able to to stop that, um, I think that that'll help us. No players don't like to get into the foul shooting disparity and yet it's pretty glaring uh is there anything you want to say about that yeah nothing to say <laughs> he wants to keep his money <laughs> how did steph curry change the equation tonight um i think um i think i don't remember if the second or third quarter um when he was put in pick and rolls um obviously he had draymond rolling down the down the lane he got a couple dunks or a couple draymond was able to make plays because we were so tentative and worried about steph coming off shooting 
Um, so that's something I think we will clean up, um, trying to fix that pick and roll with, with you know, AD coming out, being up and helping, Draymond getting a you know, roll down the lane. If he's getting a dunk or he's throwing lobs or he's finding shooters, uh, that's when they're, they're at their best. Uh, so we got to eliminate that. You know, they're a team where you pretty much got to pick your poison. You guys were able to kind of take Clay out of it at night, and then Steph comes back in and, and kind of hurts you a little bit. But, yeah, I guess that's pretty much the situation every game where you just got to kind of see which guy you can kind of take out. Yeah, I mean, pick your poison. If you can take one If out. you can. Um, I think we did a good job defensively. Um, you know, like I said, I think Steph was a little too comfortable. Um, you know, on his first game back, he came down and got some transition threes that he just walked into. Um, and that's stuff that we know that we can't give him, especially if we can get him going cause, um, for the late game. All right, John and Ian, thank you very much. And we'll look forward to Ian Clark being back on the floor for the Pelicans again Friday night for Game 3. Stay with us. More to come still on this Wednesday version of the Black and Blue Report. It's playoff time, New Orleans, and the Pels are doing it bigger. Be sure to get in now for season tickets for the 2018-19 season and take advantage of the perks that come with your Squad 6 membership, like VIP events, special access, and a whole lot more. Season tickets start at $550. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com for more info. New Orleans Pelicans, do it bigger. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We'll continue on this Wednesday with a little uh, hunting and fishing and, well, just plain out fun here uh, coming up. Our good friend Stan Brock, the uh, former Saints broadcaster and obviously a Saints legend, has his Black and Gold Classic coming up. Uh, That involves, of course, a little hunting, a little fishing, or I should say shooting. Nobody's hunting anything. Shooting, fishing, and then a big concert, lots of food, and a grand old party. Glad that he could stop by here on this Wednesday. Our own Caroline Gonzalez had a chance to catch up with Mr. Brock and preview this year's Black and Gold Classic. We welcome in Saints legend and Hall of Famer Stan Brock, who played right tackle with the Saints in 1980 through 1992 and was a part of the first playoff berth in Saints history. Saints, how are we doing? I mean, Stan, how are we doing today? (laughs) I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Caroline. Absolutely. Now, as a former first-round draft pick, I have to ask you what your thoughts were on the draft. Um, I... You know, I follow it from uh, from a long ways away, a long, long ways away. Uh, but I see that they, you know, that they drafted a defensive lineman. I know that uh, you know he's talented, and uh, they gave up uh, uh, some traded around and gave up some draft picks. But you know, you can read all you want, and you can look at all the uh, all the things that are online about the, the the team's drafts and the Saints' drafts and their grades and all that. But no one knows this talent better than the, the scouts that are out there scouting and the assistant coaches that go out and check out these players. So they have a value that uh, you and I and the rest of the general public, the people who are not in the know, the, they have a value that, that, the, that the Saints see that is going to fit their program. So uh, I like what Sean Payton does with the team, and so I would never question, you know, what's going on with the draft. But it's fun to watch it, and it's fun to see the kids, you know, get drafted and uh, how excited they are and their lives are getting ready to change. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you can't question Sean Payton. It's one of those things around the office when people ask, why do we do this? You just don't question Sean Payton. <laughs> yeah, there's no, no reason to. He's proved uh, that he's uh, successful at the, what he does and how he does it. So, um, you know, that's that's you just leave him alone. Let him, let him continue to succeed. 
absolutely. Now, Stan, you're hosting the Black and Gold Classic um, in the middle of May. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is and what it entails? Yeah, so the Black and Gold Classic, this is our 10th year, and this year it's uh, it's, uh, presented by All Facts. And what it is, it's uh, an event that we do down in Grand Isle. It's a a shooting event. We shoot sporting clays, and we have a fishing tournament, uh, a concert, and, uh, you know, some big dinners. And and, uh, what we do is we raise money for the Green Beret Foundation, and this year we're also going to uh, be raising some money for the, uh, the local World War II museum there in New Orleans. But uh, the way this got started is when I was the offensive line coach at West Point, and then uh, I had a, one of my linemen, uh, he became a special forces, became a Green Beret, uh, had a horrible accident in Afghanistan, lost a leg, almost lost another leg, had some, some, some very severe uh uh, head trauma problems, and uh, I went and saw him at Walter Reed, and and uh, he said, you know, I got to get back over there. There's uh, bad people in this country, and I'm like, oh my god, you've done everything that you can do for our country. Right. And uh, seeing him at Walter Reed made me realize that I wanted to do something special for for him. And so uh, uh, we we raised money for the Green Beret Foundation, like I say, and. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing it, actually. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a fun time. If I wanted to register for this event, because I think I would want to go clay shooting and do some of those things, how would I register? Yeah, you could go to uh, blackandgoldclassic.com. Uh, and we have a registration page there. Uh, the Saturday, uh, that's uh, May 18th. I mean, May 19th is uh, the concert. We have uh, Rock and Doopsy and... They're going to be there. A band called Remedy is going to be there. Uh, we have a local band from Grand Isle. So we have three bands on the stage. Um, and uh, it's quite a night on Saturday night. So uh, you don't even have to register for that. You can just come down to Grand Isle and, and hang out. We'll have, we have about 30 uh, former players uh, that will be there. And some of, the, uh, some of the current players are going to be there. Max Unger's coming. Zach Streep will be there. Uh, Michael Motti will be there. I think there'll be a couple of other players that come. But um, and then we have, you know, the some of the guys from my era and some guys that are before my era. Curly Culp, who played for the Houston Oilers, will be there. He's a Hall of Famer and an NFL Hall of Famer. So we have a lot of fun. These guys are handpicked by me, and um, we sit around and we we don't hide. We're we're there. We sit and talk to everybody who comes around. If they want to hear old stories, they can sit in and and listen to some of these guys tell old stories. That's awesome. Definitely sounds like some something that fans would want to do. Zach Streif went last year, is that correct? He did. Zach was there last year. He actually called us and asked us if he could come down, and uh, he came down, enjoyed it, uh, and uh, we enjoyed having him there. So now he's uh, recruited a couple of other players. He's also become um, uh, really big with uh, helping us out. He and John Stithcomb, have uh, have helped us out a lot uh, with uh, local uh, businesses there in, in New Orleans and, and raising awareness. So excited to have those guys on board. Yeah, Zach is doing some incredible things. He's a good guy. He's been around. Uh, he's been around the facility a lot recently with draft recap and stuff like that. Really good guy. Appreciate what he's doing. Now, Stan, you're not the only one in your family that has a foundation, or that is helping to no, run I'm a foundation. <laughs> Yeah, you want to set it up or you want me to set it up? Go, go ahead. I'll let you you run it. 
Okay, so I have, uh, uh, well, you have my, my wife and I, we have four daughters, and uh, Sarah, our oldest, who uh, was with us, uh, you know, uh, from the day I got drafted in, in for, from the Saints, but uh, she has a son who has uh, some epil epileptic seizures, and, uh, and Bryson, my grandson, uh, it's difficult for them to afford what they call the protective helmet. Mm -hmm. So... He has an older brother, Brock, who is eight. And um, so between Brock and Bryson, they started their own foundation called Helmets for Helmets. And what they've done is they've contacted uh, NFL teams and players uh, from around the league and uh, have started requesting uh, helmets, signed helmets. And what they're going to do is have a big auction for that. And then uh, they'll take those proceeds and uh, Jack's Helping Hands, are, they'll They'll take that money and then be able to uh, to buy the helmets for the the uh, the kids that really can't afford the uh, epilepsy uh, helmet. I have to tell you that story so, gets even more incredible every time I hear it. I get chills every single time. Uh, it's crazy what uh, it's crazy the response. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, uh, they they got a hold of him somehow in Los Angeles and he took his helmet off and signed it and gave it to him. Wow. Uh, they've got a Joe Namath helmet, a Bo Jackson helmet. Uh, Tom Brady signed a helmet. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to miss some, but it's amazing the uh, the response that they're getting. They're they're uh, a lot of these a lot of the guys are uh, immediately sending helmets in. I they're getting national attention. They're getting ready to go to New York to film some things. Uh, they've already been in L.A. to film a show. So. Uh, th these two boys are doing uh, a great thing with something that they love. They're both huge uh, sports fans, so uh, they know all these players and they know uh, they know what they're doing. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch them work. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but Bryson was at one of the Saints training camps and he had a seizure on the sideline and Thomas Morstead came over and just tried to help out and talk him out of it and gave him his helmet. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. It wow. was uh, it was at uh, when they came down to uh, I think they were practicing in L.A. and uh, and uh, Sarah took the boys to watch him practice and and uh, that's exactly right. So he's actually uh, in the Make a Wish Foundation and uh, his wish was to be a uh, Saints player for for a day and uh, I, I think that that uh, wish got granted. I think they're gonna come back sometime this year and uh and bryson will have his wish come true from make a wish foundation that's incredible i wish i was half as cool as he is at eight years old and <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> well brock is eight and uh and uh bryson is uh six so uh so that's even cooler i think between <laughs> the two of them they work very very well together that's awesome that's that's cool to have a, a big brother that supports you like that it is, yeah, especially how big Brock is. So Brock can take care of him. Well, thank you, Stan, for joining me today. Don't forget, if you would like to register for the Black and Gold Classic, you can go online and register for that, or you can show up in the concert. They have some great guests. Thanks again, Stan, for joining me today. Okay, thanks, Caroline. I appreciate it. No go problem. Saints. Go Saints. Who that? Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. 
And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans will be back in their red uniforms for Friday night. Everybody in attendance will get a red Do It Bigger t-shirt. We're looking forward to that. And uh, we know how important the home crowd will be for the Pelicans on Friday night as they look to get their first win in the series and uh, keep this chalk thing going after the Golden State Warriors are now headed for the New Orleans, uh, for the Smoothie King Center itself, up 2-0 in this series. Boy, we had a great show today. Always enjoy our visit with David Wesley. Good stuff for me and Clark, too. And, of course, it's always better when our good friend Stan Brock is able to stop by. For Daniel Salerson and Caroline Gonzalez, I'm Sean Kelly. Safe travels to the Pelicans today. We'll see you on Friday, not only on the Black and Blue Report, but, of course, for Pelicans, Warriors, NBA basketball. Take care, everybody.